In early 1848, a man made a discovery that would change his life forever whenever he was down in the stream bed of his employer's mill, because there he found flakes of gold. Soon him and his employer went to partnership together, and they tried to keep it quiet that there was gold in these there hills. But as you know, it's hard to keep secrets sometimes, and the word got out. And by the end of that year, more than 4,000 prospectors had come out and searched for these flakes of gold, striking it rich. By the end of the next year, 1849 is where we get the term 49ers from, uh, 80,000 folks had gone out to that area to try to find gold. And by the end of 1853, it's kind of the height of this California gold rush period, uh, it had risen to 250,000 people that had left everything behind to go out and mine for gold in the streams. They wanted to strike it rich. They wanted to find those nuggets and have their lives be changed forever. And it's funny how it is whenever we hear of these kind of possibilities, right? How we drop everything. And for many of these prospectors, they left everything they knew, their families, everything they knew, traveled all the way across the country in pretty treacherous conditions. Not only were they treacherous conditions on the way there, but also treacherous conditions whenever they were there. Primitive living, high cost of living, that kind of stuff. But you know, they were in search for that little bit of something that would change their life forever, right? Some found it. Some, some did strike it rich and others left empty-handed. Now think about for us as individuals, whenever we hear news of something that could potentially be life-changing that has great impact, we become curious about it, right? We hear about it, we become curious about it, and then if we have just enough courage, we go searching for it, right? Well, friends, unlike the gold rush where you kind of had a 50-50 chance on whether you were going to find gold or not, every time we come into a relationship with Jesus, with curiosity and with courage, seeking him out, you will never be disappointed. You will always strike it rich. And friends, what it is that we find and we're going to talk about today is the wonder of new birth that we find in Jesus Christ alone. So good morning. Glad you're here. My name is Hunter Upton. I'm one of the pastors here at our South Haven campus of Getwell Church. Uh, if you're our guest today, I know we've got several. We're glad that y'all are here. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, we worship here every week at 930 and 11. And so we'd love to have you join us, especially in the new year. And what a morning, right, to end out this year. Uh, not only is it the last day of 23, but we also have celebrated eight baptisms this morning, right? Lives changed. Jesus made much of in their lives them saying, yes, I want to follow the Lord. And so we're excited for them and walk alongside them and to see what God is going to do. And we're in our last uh, week of our series that we've been in called The Wonder of Christmas. And it's, I love Christmas time. I always look forward to it. Uh, putting up the lights and the decorations and just being with family. Uh, we think about the traditions that we carry a lot of times whenever it comes to Christmas. But there, there's a beauty in this season that brings us back to, to God in so many ways of, of wondering about the gift of life itself. And we've talked about that. We've talked about the wonder of uh, how God has have a plan for humanity. We talked about the gift of God's revelation that we can go to his word and so many other things that God has given us, including his son, Jesus. And what we've hoped in this whole series is that this wonder would recapture us. 
that we would come to it and see it and begin to see God at work in our everyday lives and his power and his presence and the purposes of God that, that he's, he's working out amongst us. And so if you haven't had a chance to listen uh, to the previous messages, would l- love to encourage you to go online. You can go to youtube.com slash getwellchurchsouthaven. And you can find these messages from this series and also previous series as well, but would love for you to check those out. But this morning, if you got a Bible or a device you read from, we're going to be in John chapter 3. And that's where we're going to be in just a second. What I want us to do as we think about this idea of new birth is to see this interaction that a man and Jesus have together one night. And so John chapter 3, it's slightly long, but hang with us because it's good stuff. So John chapter 3, we're going to pick up in verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who, who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it will be seen plainly that they have done what, that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Now Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee. And the Pharisees were kind of the prominent uh, religious rulers of the Jewish people during the time of Jesus. Uh, They were known for making sure that they they followed the law of of Moses to a T. They they also claimed that that there were other laws that you needed to include and follow to, to make sure that you more faithfully followed the law. And really, for Pharisees, it was all about this correct behavior aspect. It was about doing the right things, doing them at the right time. And if you did all of that, then you would be blessed for keeping God's commandments. 
So Nicodemus was a Pharisee, but he was also part of the ruling religious uh, council there as well, uh, which meant that for Nicodemus, he's kind of the cream of the crop, if you will, uh, whenever it comes to, uh, to being a Jew. Uh, he diligently studied the Torah. He even taught the Torah to others. Uh, he was respected. Uh, he made sure that others followed the law, and he made sure that he did as well, uh, even more so uh, than, than probably what was required. But Nicodemus being a Pharisee, Nicodemus being a, a religious ruler, Nicodemus was also curious. You see, Nicodemus had heard about this God, Jesus. He had heard him speak. He had heard him and seen him perform signs that he had not seen with anyone else. And so Nicodemus recognizes that there's something different about this Jesus. Nicodemus, he's curious, and that curiosity led him to seek out Jesus at night. And oftentimes we wonder why at night. Uh, I think part of it is because Nicodemus is afraid of what the other rabbis will think of him, uh, because he's going to see this rabbi in their uh, eyes, you know, this guy who uh, at best is some phony, but at worst is a dangerous person, right? But Nicodemus's curiosity coupled with courage coupled with courage, helped him to step out in the night to sit with Jesus. So that curiosity and courage led to an encounter that would forever probably change Nicodemus's life. Because here's the thing about courage and curiosity, is that curiosity and courage can lead to forward movement in our lives. Forward movement in our lives. See, I think oftentimes whenever we, we have curiosity, whenever it comes to God, it just kind of stays there, right? We're like, oh, that's... I wonder about that. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, I wonder what else. We, we never lean into it. We never seek out the answer or the experience that we could have with God through it. And that's where we have to include courage into the mix. Uh, courage to take that step forward into a deeper relationship with God. And we might be tempted to think that Nicodemus was kind of a coward because he went at night. But here's the thing. Unlike many of us, whenever it comes to, to our curiosity, he actually went. He, he sought out Jesus. He was curious in that. What I love is, is that, you know, I, I imagine Nicodemus kind of getting ready to, to go see Jesus. And he's wondering, what is, what is Jesus going to be like? Uh, maybe he's thinking like, oh, is he going to be harsh? Is he going to be kind? Is he an indifferent kind of guy? You know, what's his demeanor like? Is he just stoic or is he intellectual? Maybe he's easygoing. Uh, and I'm sure that as he knocked on the door, probably his mind and his heart are starting to race, like, what am I about to encounter with, with this guy that I've heard about? And if he's kind of like me, whenever I, you know, get kind of the butterflies and you're about to meet somebody uh, for the first time, he's probably fumbling over his words as he gets there. But he does get out at least an introduction, right? We find it in verse 2, where he acknowledges that, that Jesus is a teacher. He acknowledges that Jesus speaks differently. He acknowledges that, that God must be with him because of the signs that Jesus is, is performing. And here's the thing is all of that's true, but Jesus is so much more than what Nicodemus even realizes. What I love is that Jesus in verse 3, he responds to Nicodemus' introduction by speaking to the heart of Nicodemus. This is just kind of the Savior that we have who, who knows what we need even whenever we haven't expressed it. And he answers a question that Nicodemus has ultimately been wrestling with his entire life. And this is what he says to him. He says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. See, 
Nicodemus is religious. He's even of the right religion. And he was doing all the right things, but still something was missing. And Nicodemus, I think, felt that deep in his bones. And that's ultimately why I think he went to Jesus. And there in front of him is the answer. The answer to what he's looking for. See, Nicodemus' problem that you have to be born again uh, is that's the solution to his problem. But here's the thing is Nicodemus can't fathom this. And I think this is so funny. Uh, he's a man who has spent his entire life studying the Torah, right? He, he's read about God doing these miraculous things. Let's just recount a few of them. God created everything out of nothing. That's kind of big, right? Uh, God was jealous for his people and they found themselves in slavery. And what does he do? He brings them out of the hand of Pharaoh out into freedom. Wow. That's pretty big, right? Uh, we think about how they're wandering around in the wilderness, and what does he do? He provides food for them every single day. Wow, yet again. Think about this God who victory after victory, he leads his people in as people are trying to destroy them. This God who carved his very love, his law, into this cold, hard stone rock with his very finger that he would show them that he loves them. This God, and those are just a few examples of what we find in the first five books of, of the Bible. But I think it's funny how even Nicodemus, as he studies this day in and day out, as he teaches this in the synagogue every single week, he cannot fathom that God could somehow cause a person to be born again. I think it's funny how we use the same kind of logic sometimes. We've heard the stories a lot of us have experienced in our own lives, and yet we go, how can it be? We limit God on doing what God can do. And when we do, we miss out. It's our loss. Jesus, he speaks to Nicodemus's rebuttals, and he says this in verses 5 and 6. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. See, what Jesus is saying is that uh, it is possible to be born again. It is possible to enter into the kingdom of God, and it's all because of what God is doing. See, humanly speaking, what humankind can perform and do is only as good as what's good for our bodies. We can't save ourselves spiritually. That's where we have to have the Spirit of God come and do the work that only the Spirit of God can do. The flesh can't do it. And Jesus wants Nicodemus to know this, that, that all of those external behaviors, all those things that you're trying to do, no matter how perfectly you try to follow them, you will always fall short. They cannot do the work that they need to do. You need new birth. New birth by water and the Spirit. And so Jesus makes his argument here by taking Nicodemus all the way back to a, a, a reference from an Old Testament story uh, that I believe Nicodemus would have been very familiar with. Um, but the story that, that he goes back to is already a foreshadow of what's going to come uh, in Jesus. And so what we find is he says this in verses 14 and 15. Jesus says this, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Now, this incident that Jesus is talking about comes from Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. 
Moses and the people are traveling through the wilderness. They're headed to the Red Sea, but the people begin to grow impatient. We know nothing about that, right? And they begin to grumble uh, against God and against Moses. And they say, say, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread. There's no water. And I think this is one of our toddler's favorite things is we detest this miserable food. (laughs) Maybe he doesn't say it that way, but... You know, their lack of trust in God leads God to, to bring a judgment upon them. And so he sends these venomous snakes into the camp and they begin to bite the people quickly. By the way, that's like a new fear of mine now. So let's all please follow the Lord. All right. Um, <clears throat> so quickly they realize, hey, we've, we have sinned against God. They realize that and they crowd to Moses and say, please pray to God that he would bring relief. So Moses, being a good pastor, he prays for the people, and the Lord tells Moses, I want you to cast a bronze serpent, and I want you to place it on a pole, and then I want you to lift it up and tell the people to look to it, and they will be saved. Pretty simple, right? So Moses do as he's told, he lifts up the pole, and as people look to it, they are saved, but those who do not perish. Now Jesus is bringing up this story because he wants to equate for Nicodemus and for us his purpose. His purpose of going to the cross is going to hold that same power that God had for the people in the wilderness. Jesus is telling Nicodemus, simply believe in me to be saved. But to be saved from what? Can't you imagine Nicodemus going, but but I don't understand. See, Nicodemus isn't alone in, in, needing, in needing to be saved. We too have a need to be saved. We too have a dire need to be saved because we've all been bitten by a deadly snake as well, and it's called sin. Sin. Paul tells us in Romans that the wages of sin is death. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. As he tells us in Ephesians, sin is deadly and it will kill us. It's not a maybe, it will. And not just a physical death will we experience, but also a spiritual death. God knows this and he wants to do something about it. He doesn't want us to die. And that's why he has given us a way to live through his son, Jesus Christ. See, Jesus would be lifted high on the cross for us, just like Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness. And that all who look upon him Simple faith would be saved, will have eternal life. See, that eternal life, I think, is what Nicodemus' heart was truly longing for. How do I get that? How do I live with God forever? And he thought that all these external religiosity things that he was trying to do would somehow lead him to that. But Jesus says, no, it's more. You need it from God. That eternal life is what you and I long for as well. And we find that life in Jesus. See, Jesus makes it very clear for us that it's simple faith. Simple faith is this concept that the Greek word there in verse 15 of believe, that's all it is. Simple faith. It's uncomplicated. Because if you go back and you think about the Israelites in the wilderness, what was required of them to be saved? Just simply look, right? Look to the bronze serpent. Well, it seems simple, and it is, because all it does is it requires us to say, I've been told that this is the way, and as I make that action to do it, I will be saved. And that's exactly what happened. They simply turned their eyes to the serpent. Friends, for us, it's true of us as we look to the crucified and risen Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing is that simple faith is to trust. 
to simply trust that what has been accomplished is accomplished once and for all. And it's an uncomplicated action. I think about how oftentimes we complicate it, right? We think that following Jesus and, and, and coming to faith has to be some kind of crazy something. No, it's very uncomplicated, simple faith. And whenever we come to that, it brings wonderful consequences in it. Life-changing consequences. There are no hoops you have to jump through. There's no secret handshake you have to learn. There's no check that you have to write. Because it's all been paid for you already, already accomplished by the one who was born in a manger in Bethlehem, who grew up in wisdom and stature with favor of God and man, of who lived a perfect life of obedience to the Father, and who chose to give his life as a sacrifice for you, for your sin. Your dire need has been satisfied in God, and all it takes is simple faith in Jesus. Friends, that's a wonderful gift. And even this morning as we celebrate these baptisms, I'm just reminded for myself of the wonderful gift that this is for us. It's a gift and it's an invitation. I want to spell out this invitation for us. It's laid out for us in probably the most popular verse in all of the Bible. You probably knew it if you grew up in church. You probably memorized it. Probably in the King James, but that's okay. John 3.16. Now let's break it down like this. I came across this and I, I think this is wonderful. So you're welcome to take a picture of it, uh, but it's going to be on the screen here. But it's this, is that God, the greatest subject ever, so, so much, the greatest extent ever loved, the greatest affection ever, the world, the greatest object ever, that he gave his one and only son, the greatest gift ever, that whoever Whoever, that's the greatest opportunity ever, believes in him, the greatest commitment you could ever make ever, shall not perish, the greatest rescue ever, but have eternal life, the greatest promise ever. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe you're like Nicodemus and you're going, but how? Or maybe you're even going, me? And the answer is God. The answer is God. And I love what, what, what Paul says as we were dead in our sin and our trespasses, but God. But God. See, God is able to do what is impossible for man. And God will do that impossible thing for us, will save us if you place your faith in Jesus Christ. And by doing so, your life will be changed forever. See, Jesus is, is offering for us the greatest invitation that could ever be made. And I want to tell you, this, this is the only invitation that you will ever get that does lead to deep and lasting life. And that's what this, this idea of eternal life, not just here in, in this John passage, but in all the New Testament, is that eternal life is deep and lasting life, not just for eternity, but even for today. And here's the thing is that this, this, it's not just an invitation to like a fresh start. I think about it as we get to the new year, we often say like, all right, this year's going to be different. It's fresh start, new year, new me, right? All this kind of stuff. Well, here's the thing is you don't carry over anything. When you, when you experience new birth in Jesus, the old is gone. The new has come. You receive a completely new existence, a new name given to you by God because of what Christ has done.
Here's the point, is that the new birth we're given through the water and the Holy Spirit bring us to a completely new existence into deep and lasting life. Jesus wants to restore us to that deep and life-giving relationship with God that once mankind had in the garden that sin destroyed. He wants to bring us back to that. Jesus wants to fill us with his Holy Spirit and enable us to live deep and full lives in obedience to God. Jesus wants to quench that thirst, that longing in our souls, that we would find complete satisfaction in his enoughness to cover our entire lives. Jesus wants to give us eternally, forever, this life, not just with him in heaven, but also eventually in the new creation where we will enjoy him forever. I came across a quote not long ago that has stuck with me, and it's this is that knowledge is as good as what we can do with it and what it does to us. And I wonder, what what did Nicodemus do with that knowledge that Jesus had shared with him that night? I wonder as Jesus was lifted high on that cross and Nicodemus maybe sat and watched from afar if he recalled that conversation that night that he had had with Jesus. Nicodemus, who had come in the darkness as a foreshadowing to say, You're in darkness, but the light has come. The light has come. The light had come and accomplished his mission, making a way, offering redemption to all, to all who had simply placed their faith and trust in Jesus as the Son of God sent to save them and to give them deep and lasting life. What have you done with this invitation? that God has given you. Now think about, again, the prospectors who had left everything behind in the gold rush in search of this great treasure that they might find. Now think about how none of us will be disappointed as we surrender it all to Jesus and receive this new life that he offers each and every single one of us. And so if you've been following Jesus for a while, does this wonder, and I, this is something I keep praying about for the Lord to, to keep instilling in me, is just a, a renewed wonder, a recapturing of this wonder of what it was like whenever I first gave myself to Christ and experienced this new life and this new birth that he's given me. And I go, Lord, I need you to restore in me, and this is my prayer for you if you've been following Jesus, restore in me the all and the wonder of being in a relationship with you, of you saving me from the muck and mire of my sin and all the things that I have done to myself. And Lord, you've brought me into new life. And Lord, would you instill in me a passion, a passion to just continue in a relationship with you faithfully, simply, simply, not overcomplicating it, just simply following you, Jesus. Thank you. And if you haven't been following Jesus, if you haven't given your life, if you haven't experienced new life, what's holding you back? You know, I think about maybe you're filled with questions or maybe you feel like you've messed up too much to be worthy of being saved. Maybe you're afraid of what you might find or what you might have to give up or whatever it might be. And I think about how many of us have had those very same questions and fears and wonderings whenever it comes to this relationship with Jesus. But I want to say this to you is that be like Nicodemus. If you've got that, that curiosity, couple it with courage. Move in, seek out 
this relationship with Jesus, this life that he wants to offer you and come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Experience the gift of this new life in Christ. Yeah, I didn't prep the team, but here's the thing. There's still water. It's probably a little cold by this point. But if this morning you've been hanging on, you've been going, you know, I, I, Lord, I know what you've done for me and I give my life to you, but I've been holding back on being baptized. If you want to be baptized this morning, we'd love to do that right after the service. So I'd love for you to come meet with us up front. You can come after service or whatever. We would love to celebrate with you what God has done in your life and wants to do to bring you into new life by baptism of the water and the spirit. Friends, we have something wonderful to celebrate this morning as we remember what he has done for us and the life that he gives us, amen? So in a moment, we're gonna respond and we're gonna respond with song, but you can pray where you're at. However, the Lord wants you to respond this morning, whether it's saying, Lord, I just need you to remind me of this. Or Lord, I give my life to you. Or Lord, I'm not even sure. Would you just begin to speak to me and help me be curious? Whatever it might be, respond how the Lord is moving. So if you will stand, we're going to pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word. But Lord, we thank you that it's not just words on a page, but it is truth. It is truth that we can hold on to. And so, Lord, I pray that you would make us to be like Nicodemus, curious and courageous, Lord, that we would take a step forward into a relationship with you, Lord, deeper and further in. And Lord, for, for those of us who follow you, Lord, and have given our lives to you, Lord, would you just restore a wonder of this new birth that you've given us, this life that you have given us? Would you help us to go deeper in, Lord, that we would experience more and more of this deep and lasting life that you promise us? Lord, we thank you so much for your Holy Spirit that is work that is that is at work in this room and in our lives and in our community, Lord. And we pray that you would continue to blow that fan and flame, Lord, across this place, Lord, that you would bring renewal and revival, Lord, to this place. Lord, we love you. We love you and we thank you for what you've done this past year. And Lord, we are expectant of what you're gonna do in the year to come. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this time that we get to gather together to just make much of you, Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen.